I want us to stay in this moment for a moment. As you think about what you drove through coming in this morning and the whiteness of everything. Thank you, Jesse and team, for, for that reminder that each one of us has sins, don't we? Each one of us has things in our lives that if the world knew, we would cringe. Because sin is darkness. Sin is gross. But we have a God who loves us and makes us white as snow. Isn't that good news this morning? And I'm not talking the kind of snow you slip around on when you drive into church. <laughs> I'm talking about good, pure, beautifulness. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you so much for the freedom that you have given us. We thank you for that reminder that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short. But because of what you did on the cross, Lord, we may have new and abundant life. We thank you for your word, God, and we pray now that as we dive into it, that you would minister to our hearts, that you would speak to us in exactly the way that you need to speak to each one of us, God. Give us the ears to hear what it is you want us to hear. We thank you for the story that we had last week of Nicodemus, and we thank you for the story that we have this week in the woman at the well, for they're very similar and they reveal a lot to us and how we as believers are to follow you. And so, Father, we give you this time. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. And we thank you for that cleansing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, I, I appreciate Cece Poister saying that everybody who braved the storm this morning is considered a stalwart in her book. So you all get bonus Cece points this morning. So... We're glad that you're here with us. It was neat to wake up unexpecting the weather that we were going to have to see just that beautiful blanket of white um, out in my front yard. And I was pleased as I drove here, just the slowness that I had to, I had to drive slow. And, and there's something about our lives where we're always in a hurry, right? And it's so counter to who we are to slow down and to really pay attention to what's going on around us. And it was just a good reminder this morning that I had to do that. I had to slow down. I had to pay attention because I couldn't even see the road. And I just wonder sometimes as Christians if we are all too often in too big of a hurry. Only to find ourselves getting in uncontrollable wrecks. <laughs> do you ever feel like that? I feel like we do that a lot. I think we learned something from this story today where Jesus is in a hurry. He's, he's on his way somewhere. The Pharisees have kind of been hearing about this Jesus character baptizing people. And so he, he begins to go from one place to another in a little bit of a hurry. But Jesus takes time to rest. He takes time to stop. And he takes time to have a moment that is absolutely incredible. We're in our series called Face to Face with Jesus. And each one of us has that face-to-face -face experience when we came to that realization of, of who Christ is. When there was that moment where we stopped running from Christ and we embraced the stirring in our heart that he caused. And we began that process of growing in him. That process of being made right in him. When we look back at John 3 from last week, we see the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man who came in darkness, but had an encounter with Christ. 
He stepped into the light of Jesus Christ, and when he did so, something changed in him. Our scripture last week left us with Nicodemus asking questions of Christ and saying, how can I be born again? How is this even possible? And Jesus reminds him that God loves the world so much that he was willing to give his only son, and whoever believes in him will have eternal life, but whoever does not stands condemned already. And I love the, the fact that Nicodemus' story doesn't end there because as we look throughout the rest of the book of John, Nicodemus is there when they're trying Jesus. And Nicodemus, I don't know if you remember this or not, but actually stands up for Jesus. So he goes from having this experience with Christ to taking a stand for Christ. But in his fear, he cowers down. We all have those moments, don't we? We're in fear. We don't necessarily do what we should. The story doesn't end there with Nicodemus because you see, he moves from having experience with light to taking a stand for Christ to then going with Joseph of Arimathea to bury Christ. And he becomes a part of the story of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We're a work in progress, aren't we? And I love this story this morning because Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a teacher. He was, he was a judicial person. He was popular in society. He was what I called last week kind of a big deal. And so Nicodemus for us represents the highest of society. And it, and it took quite a bit for him to get from the point of representing the Pharisees to burying Jesus and becoming a part of that story. There was a process of growth that took place. And we see how in the highest of society will experience Jesus and will need to grow. And this morning, we see a story of a woman, a Samaritan woman at a well, who in this day represents the lowest of the culture. See, these two encounters beautifully balance one another. Because ultimately, whether you're the highest of society or the lowest of society, you still need the living water of Jesus. Amen. As we look at our scripture, I want to challenge you to turn to John 4 with me. And I want to encourage you, as you go home today, I want you to grab your family or the people that you live with or your spouse or whoever, and I want you to reread this passage And I want you to talk about it amongst your family. I want you to talk about it amongst yourself. And and see, maybe there's some things that you pick out that we don't cover this morning. And and I would love to answer questions for you or have conversations with you regarding this passage. It says this in John 4, that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. And although the fact, it it was not Jesus who was baptized, uh, who baptized, it was his disciples And when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now you see, it's interesting. To go from Judea to Galilee is is not a very long journey. But for the Jew, it became a long journey. Because smack dab in the middle of that journey is a place called Samaria. Now we've read throughout scripture how, for some reason, the Samaritans and the Jews, they just don't seem to get along. Well, this morning we're going to talk about why. Because you see, on a typical journey, when a Jew was going from, from, from Jerusalem to wherever, uh, to pat through the, the northern kingdom, they would actually travel around Samaria, going way out of their way to avoid the Samaritan people. So the fact that Jesus is even going to head towards Samaria is a very theological statement. Because you see, Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, he came for everybody. 
The hatred between the Samaritan and the Jews, it goes way back. The Samaritans were at one time the same body. In fact, they're living in the land of Jacob. So what happened? Why do these people hate each other? Well, what's interesting is the Assyrians had come and they had taken the Samaritan people into exile. And when the Samaritans came out of exile in 722, they brought with them pagan wives. They became mixed up in their faith. And I love the way that R.C. Sproul refers to them. He says that they they were basically religious half-breeds. And when they came back with this, this religious half-breededness to them, they, they, uh, their theology and their belief system began to get a little bit twisted. The Samaritans only acknowledged the first five books of the Old Testament, forgetting about the prophets and the Psalms, some of our wisdom literatures. And so the Jews and the Samaritans began to have a heated rivalry as they were just religious half-breeds. The Jews were taken into captivity. And upon coming out of the Babylonian captivity, the temple had been destroyed. And the Samaritan people at this time, as they had become, decided that they would offer to help the Jews rebuild their temple. Because you see, the Samaritans worshipped on what is called Mount... I've got to get the name right here. Gerizim. They worshipped on Mount Gerizim at their own temple. And the Jews traditionally worshipped in Jerusalem at Zion. And so coming out of the Babylonian captivity, the Jewish temple was gone. And the Samaritans said, hey, let's bury the hatchet. We'll help you build our temple, your temple. The Jewish response was, no way, you religious half-breeds. We don't want you anywhere near our temple. And the rivalry continues. When the, uh, Babel, or the, excuse me, when the Samaritan temple was completed, the Jews took it upon themselves in 125 B.C., to go ahead and just burn that thing down. And so the people of Israel went into Samaria, burned down their temple, as they were constructing their own. During that time, the Samaritans thought it would be a good idea to get the Jews back by taking pig carcasses and throwing them in the middle of the construction site of the temple. Now, some of you are snickering because you know about the ceremonial laws and a a pig is a very foul, unclean creature. And so, in essence, what they would do every time that they would do this is they would shut down construction of the temple for seven days as the clean cleansing took place. These people hated each other. So much so that they would rather walk days longer than go through Samaria. It was a deep-rooted spiritual Religious hate. So we find ourselves in an interesting moment because here is Jesus going to Samaria. Not avoiding it, but he's taking it head on. It says this. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That's a really packed statement, because right there we see the humanity of God. Because it says that Jesus was tired. 
All too often we forget that he was fully God and fully man, but this is one of those statements where we see that Jesus is in fact fully man as much as he's fully God, and he has to sit down and rest. The sixth hour that we're talking about here is noon. The noonday sun is overhead. It's hot. I'm sure they're all tired. The disciples go into town to get food, and there's Jesus sitting at a well, at Jacob's well. That for in this point in the story, for 2,000 years, had delivered water to people. It says this in verse 7, A Samaritan woman came down to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now again, in our Americanized culture, we read that sentence and we go, what's the big deal? Jesus asked this lady for a drink. Well, there's a couple of things that are really wrong here. The first is, and, and, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is the culture of the day. A man did not speak to a woman. There was a lot of social faux pas about speaking to a woman who wasn't even your wife or speaking to a woman whose husband wasn't there. You just didn't do that. That violated all kinds of rules and laws. Some of these things still take place in the Middle East today. But you simply did not do that. So this situation is awkward from the get-go because you've got this Jewish man going to Samaria. Now he's talking to a woman in the noonday sun and he asks her for a drink. So not only is she a woman, she's a Samaritan woman. There's something really off about this story. He says, will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Remember last week in the story of Nicodemus, he said to Nicodemus, you, I try to tell you things spiritual, but you don't understand the things spiritual. And, and here's an interesting fact for us, church. When we try to understand God in the shoes of the world, when we try to get knowledge of God, thinking in this, this world, thinking in this reality, clinging to our earthly nature, we will not understand the fullness of God. We saw it with Nicodemus. We see it now in this story that she's saying, what? You're, you're, a, you're a Jew. You're, why, who are you? you're asking me for a drink? And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. She says, sir... You have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where can you get, or excuse me, uh, he, he says, you would have asked me, and he would have given you living water. So now we've got the phrase living water. To us, we think automatically of, well, Jesus is the living water. He, he brings life. But see, living water was a term that was used in this time and is still used to this day that literally means to be a stream that is bubbling with life, a flowing water. And so here's this Samaritan woman who we know at this point has had lots of time to, to spend um, getting this water. This is a daily routine for her. And so she's daily coming out at noon to get water. And Jesus says that there is a, a place where there can be living water. 
And so to her ears, she's hearing a couple of things. She's hearing about a water source that she doesn't know of, and she's also hearing about fresh water that's flowing, that is going to be cold, that is going to be delicious, it's going to be life-bringing, and it's going to be way better than the stuff sitting at the bottom of this well. Living water strikes deep. She says, you've nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave up this well and drank it from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and his herds. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She's not fully grasping what he's saying here. But she knows that this man has something, has this water, has has something that can give life. And she says these words, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and that I won't have to keep coming here to draw water. Why do you think she's worried about coming to the well to draw water? We're going to find out here in a moment. Because darkness hates light. Amen? He told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man that you have is not your husband. What you have just said is very true. Sir, the woman said, avoiding the topic that was just brought up, I I can see that you are a prophet, and our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Do you see what just happened here? The same thing that happens when you and I are called out on our sins. When we're called out on our sins, when the Lord convicts us of our sins, we try to change the subject, don't we? They went from talking about her husband, this man she was laying with that wasn't her husband. And now she says, well, if I can, he's a prophet, so I'll bring up a theological thing and maybe he'll forget about what we're talking about. And you Jews say that we're supposed to worship over there and the Samaritans say we're supposed to worship here. Jesus is brilliant as he says this, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. Have you ever known people to be religious simply because that's always been that way? Have you ever known people to maybe worship God but they never realized who it was that was offering them water? Have you ever realized that Jesus is offering you eternity and eternal life? You Samaritans worship what you do not know, and we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman's probably catching on at this point that something is different about this man. And she says, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. 
And when He comes, He'll explain everything to us. She knows about Jesus, but she doesn't recognize that He's right in front of her. Do you know about Jesus this morning? Do you recognize that He is right in front of you? That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are present always? Jesus declares, I who speak to you am He. It was at this moment that the disciples came back and joined Jesus. Can you imagine? Here they are, these godly, righteous men, and they walk upon this scene where Jesus looks. He's like, he's talking to a woman, and he's talking to a Samaritan woman. What an awkward scene. You see, this woman was living a life of sin. The reason she was at the well at noon was because she was a disgrace. She had been known for having five husbands, and she also was known for being with a man who was not, in fact, her husband. Every commentary that you read tells the story of this woman this way, that the reason she was out at noon is because she was rejected by the other women, that she was labeled, she was given that reputation of a harlot. She was not welcomed because, you see, the morning is when the normal women would go and get the water, or in the evening because they wanted to avoid the sun. The reason this woman was so excited about this new running water source was because maybe she could go find this water source and could secretly go at different times of the day and could draw the water without having to to face her sin yet again because every time she came to the well, she recognized in herself that there was nobody with her. It was noon. The task was harder because of her sin. And now there's this man telling me there's a stream of living water somewhere. Maybe I can go there. Maybe I can hide my sin. And maybe I can just be left alone. But when you step from darkness into light, our sins are exposed. And listen to me, church. It is not a bad thing when Jesus calls you out on your sin. It is a bad thing when you try to change the subject. It's a bad thing when you pretend like everything is okay. Because Jesus wants to give you living water that you will never thirst again. He wants to reveal the goodness of God. And in that moment, you will go from running from God to pursuing God. Jesus wants you to pursue him. And I love the way this story ends because this woman has this experience with Jesus. He says, I am the one. I am. And at that, the word of God tells us that this woman, regardless of what people thought, regardless of how many naysayers are going to say, well, she's not genuinely believing in Jesus, or or, there's not really anything going on, she forgets everybody else. She forgets the work that she was even doing, because let me tell you, no job is worth your salvation. No thing on this earth is worth your relationship with Christ. It is the most significant thing on this earth. She drops her pots and she runs to town and she begins to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Are you worthy to share the good news of Jesus Christ? No. You're not. 
Neither was this harlot. But you know what? That's what makes God good because he takes that snow and he covers us and he makes us pure and he makes us right. So let me tell you this. Every single one of you, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have met the requirements to go out and to evangelize the world. This woman just met Jesus and she runs into town and she begins to speak about this man that she met. He told me about all of my sins and he told me about this living water. You've got to come hear him. And she begins to tell people about Jesus and it says that Jesus stayed for a couple of days and and he, and he, and he just worked in these people's lives and it said that many came to know him because of her testimony. We are all broken, sinful, and fallen short of the glory of God. But because of what Jesus did on that cross, he has redeemed us and is making us whole. And every single one of us, you are not worthy to share the message of the gospel, but you're the ones he picked. Amen? I'm not worthy. Who am I to stand up here and preach from the pulpit wearing white? I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And God is calling us to repent of our sins. And to then go and tell the world about the freedom that we have in Him. This is good news this morning. Because when you encounter Jesus, He he moves from being just simply what the woman referred to as a Jew. If If you want to do an interesting study, look at the names that she calls Jesus through this passage. Because you see, Jesus goes from being simply a Jew, to being sir, to being prophet, to being the Christ... To in verse 42, being the Savior. Are you pursuing God this morning? Is he just a prophet? Is he just a sir? Or is he your Savior? Because Christ wants to save you. He's knocking at the door. It's time to stop running. Father, we love you and thank you. We praise you for the woman at the well. And how as a Samaritan sinful woman, she represents the lowest of society in that time. And just as you revealed yourself to Nicodemus, you revealed yourself to her. And she became an evangelist for the Lord. We thank you, God, that you have made us all able to do ministry. Not because of any worthiness that we have on our own, but because of what you do in us. We thank you that you reveal your word to us when we surrender ourselves to you. We thank you for the way that we grow in our knowledge and understanding of you. Thank you for that living water, Lord. And thank you that we do not need to be thirsty. In your name, amen.